DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, and he joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. David, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK. Hello. How's the greatness of the morning doing? <laughs> Special on my end. Uh, PK's been on fire. Oh, good. <laughs> Did you know that uh, Navy is surrounded by a wall and their players are in a bubble, unable to leave campus? There's only the gates have armed guards and the, the orders, you know, they get discipline and they get some military. You can order people what to do and they've ordered them to stay on campus. Wow. Did you know the wall was. Uh, who built the wall, PK? Be careful, because I, I don't know that he likes political jokes, but I said that the wall was built by Trump, and he made the uh, he made West Point pay for it. He did. Okay. <laughs> West Point might have done what Mexico's doing, which is building the wall themselves to protect themselves from the outside world. Yeah, keep Navy in, right? Right. Army-Navy rivalry. Talk to my father-in-law about that sometime. He's a Naval a Academy. He's a Naval Academy grad. He's into that kind of thing. It's a game I'd like to go to at some point in my life. It's probably on my bucket list of sporting events. I would agree. So, the Utah Jazz season is done. Put a wrap on it. It's in the books. It's all over. What do you think Quinn Snyder learned, and how will this team change going forward? You know what? I think the most interesting aspect of team building right now is, like, how do you evaluate the bubble? Right, so... Such a different environment. Different players reacted to it different ways. Some players were really comfortable. Some players weren't. Um, how you know the games were very different. Not home, not road. Um, just just such a different. I, I'm just really curious as we pull back from this. Um, like if Toronto was down three zero right now, do they like? If, there's no way Toronto like would have been down, and there's no way, frankly, Milwaukee would be down two zero if we were back in the regular world, like it just wouldn't be, there was no way. And so how do you, and I frankly think there's no chance that the jazz would have been up three, one, and there's no chance the jazz would have lost a three, one lead. Um, so how do, how do you evaluate what took place in a unique environment that I don't think we'll do again, or at least not long enough that it's worth team building for. So I don't know. I think that's the most, you know, interesting aspect to me of this from, from both sides. And I think you can make a lot of really, really, really big personnel decision mistakes when you use one playoff series against the same team where a matchup might be either good or bad for you as your sample size for making decisions. Usually it's, you know, the Sonic signing Calvin Booth or, the Knicks signing Jerome James because they happened to get a matchup that worked for them and they were much better than they actually are as a player. And then you get them for 82 games and they're not that good. You could do it the other way too, where someone has a bad matchup and doesn't play well and you devalue all they did for their regular season. I think that's a mistake. Okay. I mean, I can, I can, I don't know necessarily know I agree with it a hundred percent, but I can see the line of thinking where you're going my thought for you is can we conclude that Donovan Mitchell, based on what we saw and what we've seen, not just what we saw, but what we've seen, 
which means it extends beyond the bubble, that he has the capability to be first-team All-NBA? Um, you know, first-team All-NBA is a pretty high level. Yes. Um, so I'd have to start doing the math. I mean, right now you've got Luca that probably has a spot ahead of him, and, and you know, that's gonna. It's just that's a really crowded spot, right? So Dame and Luca are there right now. So I, I think that's an awfully hard spot to get to. Um, but I do think that you know Donovan's play in the bubble actually matched a fairly natural progression. Just five months later, like guys get better as they get older. We've just never played in September before. Um, but if you think about you know he's five months more advanced than he was in March, that makes sense. Um, so I think you know his his level of play was congruent to what if all went well his growth would be so i think there's a legitimacy to what you're seeing because you're actually basing it off what you've seen before and how he was progressing but how so also also too about ownership of the team which extends beyond the actual play so, so from a team building standpoint i was trying to think of like what's most different than 16 months ago and i think what's most different from 16 months ago to now is how comfortable you are with Donovan Mitchell with the ball in his hands. After the Houston series, I don't think you were particularly comfortable deciding that Donovan Mitchell was going to be your primary ball handler for the season last year. That was not a good series, not great decision-making. He just, it's not a position he's actually never been. You know, I, don't, I don't call it a point guard because I think that he's kind of gone particularly in our system where we run multiple different players with pick and rolls. So, at that point, 16 months ago, I think you still thought we better have a primary ball handler and relieve that burden of Donovan in his development. I think it was right. Um, now, 16 months later, I'm pretty comfortable if Donovan becomes the primary ball handler and think that's actually part of his natural development. I did not want to lead the witness, but that is exactly what I wanted to get to. Do they need going forward? And, well, <clears throat> it's a question for the front office – uh, you know, as contracts expire and, you know, next summer there'll be a chance. But before we get to Dennis Lindsay, Justin Zanuck, the front office team, what they're going to do, just going forward next year, does Quinn stay with the, we got three guys who can run pick and rolls at a really high level and they're each going to have the ball a share of the time and we're going to find the worst, the best matchup and attack that and not worry which one of the three guys it is necessarily. We'll probably have two of the three on the court at all time and, and then three of them to close a game. Uh, or is it Donovan is always a mismatch. Maybe the other guys don't have the ball as much and become more spot-up shooters but Donovan's running the pick and roll, at least running the first pick and roll in every possession, and maybe just isolating and beating his guy depending on the matchup because you see how James Harden plays in Houston, how Steve Nash used to play in Phoenix. You know, when you have a guy who's really, really good, don't do the other team a favor and take the ball out of his hands. So, I mean, I think the two guys you're talking about are Mike Conley and Joe Ingles. Right, yeah. They both happen to be elite, elite-level shooters, right? So the scenario you just wrote out is fine. If, if just to use a former jazz player as a contrast, if you have Ricky Rubio, now you've really got a rub, right? Cause Rubio is not a very good shooter. And so you'd have you're, if you're not letting him have the ball in his hands, then he's not as, he's not as useful. Um, both Joe and Mike are two of the best catch and shoot elite level shooters in the NBA. 
Um, so if, in fact, you decide that instead of you know allocating the pick and roll like they did this year, which was something about 40%, 30%, 20% amongst the three of them, it's going to become 60 10, you know, 15, 15, there's just 10 pick percent of pick and rolls that go to Clarkson and Boyan and everybody else. I know I'm not adding up to a hundred. Um, then Joe and Mike have to become comfortable with being, um, catch and shoot guys. Um, and so that, that would be, you know, that would be a, that certainly could be a script that could be played next year. And then the two of them have to adjust to that, but they're both great at it. So it's not something, that they can't do or is not in their skill set. It just would have to be whether they embrace it. I think they need to upgrade the bench. Is you think that's going to come from outside or inside? So, I mean, if we start playing the salary game, um, you know, there's two, there's two rubs that we always have in this league. So I'm going to go kind of deep philosophical if I can PK, like, you know, be like Rene Descartes and Plato and really deep and philosophical. So basketball philosophical. So the two things you'll always hear about is one, we either need to be shooters or we need to be more athletic, right? We hear that debate between the two all the time. And so for a year, we sat around here and talked about how much we had to get better shooters. We did, and now we heard it. Now we hear everybody talking about being more athletic. And, um, and you know, I think that that's um, – and then you, when you have, you know, an athletic shooter, by the way, is an all-star. So you just don't get both. Same thing I feel about the bench. Like, yeah, I agree the bench needs to be a lot better. But if you're going to have stars and you're going to have a $30 million um, <clears throat> Donovan at some point here and a $30 million Rudy and a 20-some-odd million dollar Boyan and if 18 said whatever it is, Joe, and even Royce has you know, signed an extension, you actually aren't going to have money for your bench. Like, you're not. Like, I mean, maybe we can get Jordan Clarkson at some mid-level and that's a pretty nice luxury but you're not going to have that. And then you couple that we're not a market where you can get veterans just to sign because it's Los Angeles or Miami. And we tried, like we, we took a run at Jeff green. It was totally worthwhile run. It didn't work for us. You know, Ed Davis was supposed to be that bench guy. And we spent an awful lot of money on, on a backup center for what was the best backup center in the league. And the age bug just seems to have got him at the wrong time. So we made the effort to try to do it with the bench, but it's hard. And what, and frankly, you know, Donovan's number is going to change pretty dramatically here in the next two years. So, and Rudy's number is going to change probably. So, it's not. It's a hard thing to do. You to build. You know, it's it's nice to say you got to build the bench, but when your team building is actually getting stars, and Mike Conley's thirty, I didn't mention, um, and then to get those players, you're often trading first round draft picks. So you're going to have a bench gap. I mean, that's that's the give and take that you've done. So it's. You know, I think there's some interesting – Darrell Brantley's a really kind of wild card piece to me. I don't really know what he can do, but it's pretty interesting. I don't know if it's interesting enough that I'm willing to bank on it. The coaching staff obviously believes in Jawan Morgan. Mia Oni and Rajon Tucker bring unique skills. If you can get 30 minutes a game out of those four guys next year, that's a big deal. So – Really, it shows that in the NBA, <clears throat> because everybody who hits on a draft pick goes through the, what the Jazz go through, right? And, and I guess actually in the NFL, too, you can go to the Seahawks and Russell Wilson was winning when he was, he was very good when he was on his rookie contract in a low number. But you've always got to pay that person you hit on, so you got to hit again. 
I mean, the, the yeah, ability I mean, the to hit in the second half of the first round, which is hard, but teams do it. We can go through every draft and find a, a good player or two there, and your ability to do that is critical as you get crunched because you're paying a couple stars. Right. So there's two big differences in your analogy. Your analogy is right, but there's a huge difference, and that is that for whatever reason, Young in the NFL can win. So right. Patrick Mahomes yep. and Russell Wilson very early in their career are good enough to win. To win. Yep. And then when not being paid a lot, that's pretty awesome. And then traditionally, once they pay their quarterbacks, unless they're Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, it's really hard to win once you're paying your quarterback. Um, the difference in the NBA is that you seemingly have to have years of experience to win, right? Like even Donovan and Rudy, they'll never lose another series 3-1. Like they blew it. Like, but they hadn't, honestly, they hadn't been there before. There was unique circumstances to it. And it seems as though, I haven't talked to either of them, so I don't know, but it seems as though they blinked, right? That they just kind of, with everything going on, and they were up 15, that they just lost the, the, the vibe of the series, and Denver grabbed it, and now they've learned this terrible lesson on if you let go of the rope for a minute, it's really hard to grab back onto it in a playoff series when somebody else is desperate. And it took them pure desperation down 19 to seemingly grab back hold of that rope. Um, and that's a that's a really, really painful lesson for them right now. Um, but that's what the NBA is. Somehow, for whatever reason, young quarterbacks in the NFL can win. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you hit on second-round draft picks at about 6%. So it's, that's a pretty unlikely script. I mean, if you can find a guy like our 23rd pick this year, can we get someone like what Baisley played pretty well for Oklahoma City here? Now, I don't, you know, they didn't win their series, so I don't know if that's – but, yeah, somebody who's – Somebody who can give us, you know, 15 minutes a night. And so now if you're getting 15 out of him and you're getting 30 out of some combination of the four guys I just mentioned, and now now you're said, you know, you've got to find a way to get um, somewhere around 15 times five, uh, so 75 bench minutes. So if you got Clarkson back at 30, you know, 25 bench minutes, then you've got to find 50 bench minutes. And so if, if Rajon and – Tony and uh, Morgan and Brantley can combine for 30, as I said, and you're, you're 15 out of your first round draft pick, then all of a sudden you got it done. But it's a, you know, it's a really young, inexperienced bench. But I think that's the reality when you're paying the money you're paying um, to your primary six players, seven players. And, and we're paying a lot to our primary seven players. So that's fine. That's like play your seven players, intermix them with two or three bench guys at a time and get those minutes. You would often speak of how you were down when the season would end because it would be something that was such a high with the playoff and then it was over. You'd have a little bit of a depression. I don't know if that's the right word. How are you feeling right. now? This one's actually been worse. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, um, though maybe I just don't remember, but I always do. I usually do have that. You know, I know mental illness is real and the word depression needs to be changed to how it's used. But I do often just kind of sleep for like 24 hours and feel as though I have nothing to do and there's a total emptiness in me. Um, but I'm also usually exhausted. And so it's like, there's that element of like, okay, well, at least we got through it. This one just felt like we were just getting started. Um, you know, from a broadcast standpoint, it was so different and unique. And I felt like we were kind of figuring it out. And then all of a sudden it was over and I just wasn't, I wasn't prepared for it to be over, you know, contrasting the last two years when you kind of knew it was going to end. So, um, I actually, yeah, I had a, yeah, I mean, I got on my bike for 50 miles yesterday. That means I'm not doing well. That's just being weird. So, Well, David, we appreciate a few minutes, and uh, we will talk to you in the offseason, however long the offseason goes. I guess we can I mean, that's, sa- save I mean, that conversation honestly, for another week. 
Right, but I think that actually, PK, that actually might be the weirdest part about this is that Monday is Labor Day. Tuesday yeah. is when the players usually come to town. Right, I know. I was telling my wife that. <laughs> like, I kind of know that, like, to this next week, like, I'll probably be sneaking down to the practice facility to try to go watch some OTAs, right? Like, yeah. and see the guy and just say hi to the guys for the first time. It gives you a semblance of, like, oh, it's all coming back together. And, right. And the other one is that kind of when you finish the season, you always can kind of look ahead and say, okay, well, you know, it's it's April or May, and all right, I got June, July, August, September. Yeah, okay, it's here. Yeah, you know, I just we don't know. Like, is it January? Is it February? Is it December? Is it like I don't know. Yeah. Um. So, you know, who knows? David, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, guys. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Kareem Copeland, Washington Post reporter covering the Naval Academy, joins us next. Look ahead to BYU and Navy and Navy's new quarterback. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Kurt Heelan of NBC Sports and ProBasketballTalk.com. We've seen comparisons of Dwayne Wade and others. Can Donovan Mitchell be the superstar that a team needs to take them to the finals and eventually lead them to a championship? I think he's a guy who's a true number one, but you're going to have to find a strong number two, and that may not be rude. Dwayne Wade won a title with Shaq in a very different NBA, and then he needed LeBron there to win the next couple. The hardest part of building a championship team is there are somewhere between 8 and 12 guys in the league you can say I can build a title team around that guy and Donovan Mitchell looks like he's going to be one of those guys Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network DJ and PK joined now by Kareem Copeland from the Washington Post. He covers Naval Academy football, and he joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Kareem, good morning. Good morning, fellas. What's going on? Didn't know you were going to be on radio back in Utah again, did you? Isn't it weird? <laughs> Y'all just can't get rid of me, can you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Kareem worked for the Associated Press in Utah for a while and was covering, well, when you work for AP, you cover a little bit of everything, but saw him in a lot of jazz games, college yeah. football games, that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, everything, yeah. Yep. Saw him many times. I was wondering who's a bigger export in the nation's capital, Alex Smith or Kareem Copeland? <laughs> we're going to give Alex the pass on that one. <laughs> so I'm curious we're gonna, here. We're, we're going to give him that win on that one. <laughs> I, I'm curious here. You know how it is because you lived in Utah and you know the hype for college football season. You know how everyone would go to practices. You could see some stuff. People would tell you stuff. Sometimes they tell you in the microphone. Sometimes they tell you off to the side. And, you know, even if you didn't hear it, you might hear it from another reporter who heard it. So we kind of had a ballpark idea. Well, BYU practices are closed, and you have the Zoom, and there's no small talk before or after a Zoom call. There's just, you click leave meeting, and that's it. So there's a lot less information out there, a lot more unknowns, which in some ways is good and in some ways is bad. But I would think at Navy, you got all the same issues there with the Naval Academy? Absolutely, same issues there, same issues with everybody. It's, it's crazy. Um, I've been having this conversation um, multiple times. You just don't get the same the same depth in your reporting just because, first off, you're not there and you don't, you don't feel and see that atmosphere and the little things that, you know, you look out for that you normally would when, you know, you're a reporter out covering practices. And first off, you don't get any of that little bit of context from just kind of observing things. 
second of all, it's it's such a rigid structure on the Zoom calls that we're all on. I mean, it, 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 it's better than nothing. So I'm, I'm, I try not to complain about it. But all those little, like you said, it, it's it's not a conversation like it used to be, where kind of sometimes you're just kind of riffing with a coach or there's a couple of reporters, there's three or four of you talking to a coach and it's just a conversation that everybody's having. And when you're on Zoom, it's like question, answer. Okay, your turn to ask a question, answer. Okay, now your turn. And so it's very rigid and it has no flow to it. Um, I I had to set up something the other day uh, for a one-on-one and, and, and I was telling him at the time, I don't need him for a long time, but it's just like, if this was a regular practice, I would have just walked off to the side with the coach for five minutes real quick, asked a couple nuanced questions, and that would have been it. There's none of that anymore. So it's, it's, it's really hard to um, – um, it, it's really difficult to get depth, I think, in reporting. And so um, we're all trying to figure this out as we go. And um, especially with me, it's even stranger with them because – you know they're they're locked up in their own bubble up there um, at the up in Annapolis. So they've had everybody come back, um, including you know the regular midshipmen. Um, everybody's back on campus and no one's allowed to leave. You can do that when you're the Navy because hey, you know your military installation. Uh, whereas other other universities are worried about kids, you know, going back off campus, off campus living or whatever that is. Um, Maybe everybody kind of lives in the same dormitory, and so it's been much easier for them to kind of have a self-imposed bubble. But at the same time, you know, that kind of leaves us out just kind of wondering what's going on. And they've changed practices so much to try to, um, to, to avoid spreading this coronavirus. And so there's been a lot less hitting. There's been uh, everything that is normal in a football practice that has been changed. They've been trying to avoid so much face-to-face um, contact. For instance, they haven't been, I think just this last week, they started really tackling. That's a huge concern because they've just been working on bags since they returned in July. Um, they haven't been doing a whole lot of offensive line, defensive line, face-to-face work because they've been trying to avoid, you know, people being basically breathing in each other's faces. And there's this concern that, hey, if one person came down with it and you've been doing all this face-to-face tackling and face-to-face blocking, that you could easily wipe out an entire position or wipe out an entire uh, in several starters. So it's, I know kind of we started talking about, um, you know, what it's like to try to cover all this, but my point is things are so different um, both on how we're doing our jobs and how they're doing their jobs, and we haven't really gotten a real glimpse of what they're doing on their end. So it's going to be really interesting to see them cut cut out there on Monday um, in this new world and play some football when, um, quite frankly, um, I'm expecting it to be a little bit sloppy because there's been a lot of things that they just haven't been able to do. Yeah, well said. I think you really summed up what is going on across the country, really, not just what you're doing, but really what every every media guy who's been, or person, I should say, I don't mean it to be uh, gender-specific, <laughs> but we've all been in that environment for years, and now it is different, and it, it is hard, and I guess we'll see when they take the field, and it stands to reason that it would be sloppy. One of the things... 
One of the great things about Zoom now, anyway, is from for the out of town perspective, you can go on their sites and you can listen to like a Niamatololo speak for however long he speaks. And some of them they've been a half hour, and you know, you can get from an outside perspective, you can get a little bit more. From the inside perspective, I get your point. Uh, from my perspective, been able to listen to him and, and his coordinators talk a little bit more because you can get online and and have that stuff. And one of the things that Ken is saying is that that with the graduation and the advancement of Malcolm Perry, that he thinks that they're going to rely more on their defense, and he believes their defense will have to carry them until the offense comes along. And he's particularly talking about a linebacker who he believes is an NFL caliber. Could you expound on that? Yeah, Diego. He led the team with um, 100 tackles last year, five and a half sacks, um, was first team all AAC. They're kind of expecting him to kind of even been um, let loose even more this year. So last year, so 2018, one of the worst defenses in the nation, um, completely turned around in 2019 when they brought in Brian Newberry, the new defensive coordinator. And so everybody was super hyped about him. He comes in um, and completely turns it around, uh, much more aggressive, much, I mean, just better in absolutely every category all the way across the board. Um, there's optimism because they've got six, six starters back, and also, in every stop that Newberry has been, year two has been an enormous jump from year one. So that's kind of why that expectation is. You know, it was already a pretty good defense last year. They're expecting it to take another step forward now that people are used to the regular base system. And now everybody can kind of, um, now you can play even more games. Now that everybody is used to that, you can, you know, you can really kind of get fancy with your scheme and things like that. However, the weird part is, like we were just talking about, you haven't been able to do the same things as you would normally because of the way practices have been changed. So we're all curious to see if you, they still make that same kind of jump um, because, you know, they're just going to be behind from what it normally would have been. However, um, yes, that's, that's by far the lead. The, the, uh, the defense needs to lead the way um, without question. Um, Jalen Morris is going to be the starting quarterback, and this is going to be his first start. He basically sat for four years, and he's. it's going to be interesting to see how that offense works. You know, they're still going to run that triple option. They're still going to be option, option, and run the heck out of the ball. But Jalen Morris is definitely more of a passer than, um, than Malcolm Perry was last year. You know, we had Samoa called Malcolm Perry, basically a running back that was playing, that could throw the ball at times. Well, David Morris came out of a, um, a spread system out of high school, got a strong on, um, you know, just definitely more of a pure passer, but they're still running the same scheme. So the thought is, okay, um, defense lead, still run the ball, but the hope is that once Morris gets settled, that maybe um, teams have to respect that pass a little bit more or if teams, you know, just load up against the run, hey, he can pull it back and throw it a little bit um, to keep teams maybe a little bit more honest than in the past. So th- that's the um, wait and see when it comes to the quarterback and when it comes to Dalen Morris. But, um, yeah, they're, they're expecting Diego and the defense to be up front leading the way, uh, especially early in the season. So going back and reading the stories that were written at the end of the season, Perry Olson, the sophomore, was supposed to be the quarterback, and the stories that would be written in what in a normal year would be the end of spring ball. That was still kind of the timing. But now Morris <laughs> has beaten out Olson. 
maybe you can't answer this because you're not seeing practice, but did Morris play really well and win the job, or did Olsen have a bunch of problems and they got to go with Morris because he's the safer pick and they just can't trust Olsen? Did Olsen give it away? Uh, like you said, yeah, I haven't seen it for myself, but according to coaches, um, Morris just wowed everybody. They said that just every single day he was just out there and, they, and you know, they had their little side conversations like, who's catching your eye? Man, Morris was playing really well. And, and it seemed like they just kept having that conversation day after day after day. And eventually they looked at each other and said, hey, he's played his way into the starting job. I don't think it was um, – they haven't said that, at least out loud, that, that um, Olsen had struggled. It was more of Dalen Morris just kept surprising us day after day after day and making plays and, and just clearly being the t- top quarterback out there. So uh, they were. it was a little bit of a surprise, I think, for them also, but um, it was definitely a, a situation where he went out there and grabbed it because he was just, again, every single day it was like, or again, I, I say every single day as if I saw it. <laughs> so this, this is reports from the coaching staff, but it, it just seems like every single day that they said, man, he had another good one. He had another good one. He just kind of kept stacking them and stacking them and was the most consistent of all the guys. And finally they just had to say, hey, you know, he's the starter. He outplayed everybody. I'm wondering with that intricate option system, how much of it he didn't have on the field experience, but how much of it was knowledge of how to run the offense when he finally got his chance because even though he wasn't playing, he was still there and maybe he just learned more and has a better grasp of it. That's what I was going to say. He, you know, he's, he's a senior. This is his fourth year, so he's been here the whole time running the system, so it's not foreign to him. Um, all of this is not new. The, the new part is going to be actually being under the light. But, you know, he's, he's, if you, um, you would hope, you know, if you've got a quarterback or you, you would hope if you've got anybody on campus um, running your system for four years, that by the time that they're by the time they're a senior, whether or not they're playing and whether or not there's um, you know just people that are athletically better than them, you would hope that they at least know the system like the back of their hand. Because hey, what is what has he been doing for four years? So I, I, I think that was um, I don't think there was a concern of whether he could run it. Um, it was just a matter of who runs it better, and it seems like. Um, Seems like he's been running it really well, and the fact that he can add a little bit of a passing dynamic probably sets him a little bit apart. But uh, yeah, it's it's not foreign. This is not a this is not a transfer, and this is not a guy who, cause, like you said, this is a intricate system with a lot of timing and and a lot of nuance. And um, and this is not a really a, that strange of a situation for um, maybe they've they've had this quite a few times. Um, over the history and over the last 20 years of a, of a quarterback, you know, starting, uh, you know, winning, not playing their first three years and starting the job as a senior. Sometimes it's almost looked at like um, it, it might take uh, several years to really master that offense. But, yeah, this is, this is not new to him by any means whatsoever. Kareem Copeland, Washington Post reporter covering the Naval Academy, joining us. So, do they? Does Navy have any uh, running backs? Just really punishing type guys. Maybe not the speed, because if they had speed, they might be somewhere else. Because they'd be dreaming about the NFL. But I'm thinking someone who breaks tackles. And here, when there can't be as much tackling, yeah, that could be a huge advantage. Do they have that tough guy running back? Um, well, they've got a couple fullbacks that you would kind of expect to do that. I'm 
really hard to say for me, just you know, again, we keep talking about having not been out there and, and witnessing it. But I expect um, the two fullbacks to be a little bit more physical, you know, because the three guys that you're going to see mostly are going to be C.J. Williams, Miles Sells, quarterback David Morris, like we were just talking about. Um, but fullbacks, Jamal Brothers and Nelson Smith, uh, those are the two, um, I guess, bigger running backs that you'll um, that, that are going to be out there getting carries. Um, again, we'll, we'll just kind of have to see because, you know, uh, I'm fully expecting BYU to have size on them. So um, sometimes um, – you look you you look a little bit more bruising against some programs than others. And so I'm, I'm curious to see uh, how they match up against um, against BYU and BYU's size. But that those are those are the two that if you're talking about who's going to be running the trenches, who's going to you know um, you know try to be a little bit more physical, try to try to you know get those two yards on on third and two. Uh, those those would probably be the guys that you that you see just kind of. Um, um, running more more physically, uh, for sure. Those two, uh, Carruthers and Smith, had fullback. All right, Kareem, we know you got to run and interview a legend. Patrick <laughs> yeah, Ewing. Yeah, Patrick Ewing in 20 minutes. <laughs> okay. Well, you go get that done. We appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys. And see uh, whoever's coming out on Monday. Okay. I think that may be nobody, but we'll have to see. Do you know anybody who's traveling yeah, with this, PK? True. I haven't even thought about that. <laughs> yeah, right? It's yeah, a, I talked to Jay Drew. Jay Drew's going. Here this year, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look for Jay Drew, Deseret News. All right, will do. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate it. Okay. I hope everything's going well. Be safe and healthy. There's Kareem Copeland, Washington Post, covers Navy. Uh, PK, you listen to that? Change anything you think as you hear him talk or pretty much reinforce all the questions you had going in, which won't be answered until the first quarter of the game? Yeah, I mean, he's so right the way he uh, basically analyzed the perspective of the media in training camp. You know, once the season starts, it's not nearly as important because you see it every six, seven days, right? Well, you try to get as much information as you can on what your level of expectations are in the training camp, and we just don't have that this year because there is no talking off to the side type thing. And, you know, occasionally you get some stuff during the season. You know, when the Utes played Oregon that time, I told you the week of practice, I spoke to somebody and said, we are going to drill these guys. (laughs) And I laughed, and he stopped in his tracks, and he looked at me, and he gave me a look. I've been around enough to know the look. I'm not giggling here. This is business. This is work. And I responded with a giggle, as you said, and he stopped and said, no. And he was dead serious. And what happened? I think they put 62 on him, right? So occasionally he gets stuff during the season. But we don't have that information and as much of a feel. I think we still have some. For BYU, I think we're fortunate in that we have a feel because there's so much experience coming back. But there's still some unknowns, and there's a lot of unknowns how it will play. The good thing is we're rapidly getting to the point where we're seeing it. And it makes for an interesting situation and I do agree with Kareem when he's saying there may be some form of sloppiness because there hasn't been that traditional training camp from the player perspective either yeah that's why I asked the question about someone who can break tackles because I think that's like the number one thing you lose the physicality and you know it's especially in assignment football you know everybody is stretched from sideline to sideline so 
in another offense, you might have to break to the second level, to the third level, and somebody else can make the tackle. But the way the option springs you out, if, if a guy misses a tackle, maybe there's a second player who can make a play. Maybe there isn't. Gone. Missed tackle, touchdown. I don't know how they're, if that's going to happen or it's going to be more, we're just going to put together an eight, nine-minute possession on you. Yeah. yeah, that's another thing to worry about. And there's no telling. It could be a little bit of both over the course of a game. You know, a three-and-a-half-hour football game. There's two, plenty Two or three years ago, happens. Navy put together a 15-minute drive. They took an yeah. entire quarter. That's outrageous. Right. I <laughs> totally mean, they, outrageous. And, only and they, they have those it. fullbacks, so I'm more inclined to say that's what it's going to be as opposed to one or two guys blow something and then it's an 80-yard run. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Zero Res. Zero Res carpet cleaning is proven in lab tests to remove more dirt and soils than other methods. Their powered water cleaning means no soap, no shampoos, and no toxic chemicals. Schedule your Zero Res cleaning today by calling them at 801-288-9376. All right, today our question, BYU, Navy, it's the first full weekend of college football, although it's not really a full weekend. It's what would have been the first full weekend, but there are some games in BYU and Navy as primetime on ESPN Monday night. What are your predictions? 50% of the people in our poll question, and oddly we've had 666 votes, 50% say BYU. 22% say Navy. 21% say I have no idea. And 6% say I'm done with college football. What the heck would you be done with college football? Well, I assume they're Ute and Aggies and their teams and leagues aren't playing. So? <laughs> I know, but you and I are. You and I, college football is a buffet. <laughs> Other people are connoisseurs. <laughs> and they go to their restaurant and they have one favorite meal. You and I go down the list. I like the Greek potatoes. And I like the mashed potatoes, too. And I'll take some fries. A lot of starch in our diet, apparently. This you is a local point. team playing, man. The funeral yeah, potatoes. but some of, the local, some of the local people don't like the local team. You know, big deal. Who cares if you like them or not? That, that does, does not matter. This is a local game. It's Monday night. This is football season, man. Do I like the Cowboys? Not necessarily. Do I watch them every Thanksgiving? Yes. Well, see, I think that's why the number is 6%. Because <laughs> I don't know what percent each of the, the fan base each of these schools have. But clearly, the Utes and Aggies have got to have what combined they got to have 50% of the local football fans, right? I'm sure you could argue 40, 60, whatever. But they got way more than 6. So it's only a portion of these fan bases. I think the majority of these fan bases are going to watch it. And and listen, 100% we watch teams we hate. The only thing better to a TV executive than a team that you love passionately is a team that you hate passionately. There's a reason everybody's watching the Patriots and it's not cuz they want to see Bill Belichick smile. 
Oh, I don't get it. That's 6%. 6% the big number these days. What? 6%? That's how many people really had what they had and died what they died from? And now 6% this? This is crazy. 6%. It's just infiltrating our world here. All you folks, you know, you, you guys have been making a lot of changes to church. You think it dropped down from 10 to 6%? I mean, what, think of all the 6% is just taking over. And I can't, I can't deal with it. 6% of the people? I don't even want to talk to you. I don't know who you are. Don't even come up to me at the gym or on the golf course or when I go to the beauty parlor to get my hair done and take off my mask like Nancy. You set me up. Come on. Good news. It's down to 5.8%. I just recalibrated. <laughs> hey, if my tithing can drop to 5%, I'm, I'm good. You'd only be half as good, Yak. I know. You're twice as good at 10%. Oh, Nancy, Nancy, Nancy. Come on, man. Football is back. I got to watch it. And plus two, we got locals all over the place, man. There's Ute fans down at Corner Canyon who saw Zach Wilson play, and Kalani was on your staff, A-Rod was on your staff, other guys. Come on. I, I don't get why everyone wouldn't be interested in this game. You may root well, from the lose, fine. Root from the lose, I don't care. But especially with Navy, because Navy has, there are people who went to the Naval Academy all over the country, there are people who served in the Navy, or a family who served in the in Navy. In the Navy! Oh, boy. <laughs> I had a guy who's a Hillcrest Husky on my podcast this week who's in, he has a Navy podcast. He lives in Annapolis now, but he's a Utah Navy. He's a Hillcrest Husky. He went to the U. Went to the U. Who was that offensive lineman who played for the Broncos all those years? What's his name? Come on. Went to Hillcrest. We had him on our show. We used to have him on our show. It's a hometown hero. You see him on the billboards. I'll search. I'll get it for you. Um, I, I know I know this, but you, you I know under, under pressure. Zane Beatles. Zane Thank Beatles. you. Zane, Zane. There you go, Zane. <laughs> yeah. Hillcrest All Husky. sorts of connection. Man, yes. a, Navy might as well be it's a Draper State. I mean, that's how close it is, really, when you think about it. <laughs> Draper State? Isn't yeah, that, isn't your, that Corner Canyon? Isn't that name? your new nickname for Corner Canyon? Or you won't now that I them. think about it, I like it. Yeah. yeah. You, got, you know, you uh, got Boise State. They're not a state. We well, got Draper. We got Timfew Tech. We got BYU Alpine. BYU Alpine. <laughs> we got Bingham, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, them. you had a nickname for Bingham, but I've forgotten what it was now. Well, it was Bingham State because I called Bingham it BSU. State, that's what it was. Okay. BSU. All right, Bingham State and Draper State. Then you had one for East. <laughs> what was the one for East? East? I don't, I don't know. You'll work on that. I'll give, something, for I'll give something to do over a holiday weekend. You had one at one time. Is East good? Mm, fairly good, yeah. They haven't won state championships the way Bingham and Timview have. No, I, I had to look that. I had to look that they were playing last night. I didn't have to, but I did look that up. And those two schools had won fifteen titles combined, fifteen titles in sixteen years. Well, all I know is this year it's going to be my Bengals. I'm going to the game tonight, man. I'm going to see my guy Lander Barton, who's going to be a stud, and Cactus Gabe Curtis at quarterback. Cactus Gabe. Cactus (laughs) Gabe. I like it. There's no way a kid gets that now. That is the dark ages. These kids aren't going to know that. I don't know that. I mean, I know it, but I never met him. I know somebody who Me met either. him. 
Yeah. Cactus Jack Curtis coached at Utah <laughs> and Stanford. And true story, at the end of his career, he went to UC Santa Barbara. And he had a linebacker, Mike Warren, who coached the team when they tried to bring football back in the 80s when I was there. And Mike would tell me Jack Curtis stories. He loved Jack Curtis. But there's no way some kid running around on the field tonight. <laughs> Cactus Jack Curtis. Wasn't the quarterback's name? Isn't that who he is? Uh, is yeah, Gabe Curtis. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, I uh, I threw that out there. I thought that, you know, <laughs> Cactus, Cactus Jack. <laughs> I thought that would be funny, right? It well, worked. It was worth a shot. It C- worked. Cactus Gabe Curtis. I like it. It's your, you, like you said a long time ago, you're in the back of the bus with a bunch of straws and some spit wads, and you just see what happens. In junior high, true story, my homeroom class was in the cafeteria. The school in seventh grade, there were too many kids in the school. There wasn't room, right? So you got a homeroom class actually in the cafeteria, and there was a kid sitting in the back, and he had a straw, and he did the spit wads. And it was like a lower roof where you walked to get the food, and then it was a bigger, higher roof. It was all one room. There was no divider, but the roof went up and was much higher where you sat and ate. And that's where we had the class. And so there was this wall, you know, started 10 feet in the air, right, and, and goes up. And he would try to put, get spit wads to stick to the wall. Welcome to the seventh grade. <laughs> and he got one to stick there, and it was up there for weeks. And he was very proud of it and would always make a big deal of it. Man, Cactus Jack, he finished first one, two, three, four times in the Skyline Conference. Yes, and then he went to the Stanford Indians. Man, Stanford just purports them to be so politically correct over there in their call. They, they, changed, they changed that, I think, in the early 70s. Yeah, and he sucked there. But uh, for the Utes, man, he was 45-32-4. In conference, he was 32-9-2. That's good. Yeah. But then he went to Stanford and couldn't get her done, huh? Cactus Gabe Curtis. I'm going to be watching him today. <laughs> <laughs> Brighton is 3-0. They're off to a good start. Now, they've beaten three teams that are 0-3. But, you know, they'll get into region and sort all that out. Oh, they're going to kick A. And I'm going to tell you, man, they got the best freaking band in the state. Let's give it up for Ms. Mortensen. She's the best there is. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Coming up, this is awesome, people. Yawk found out yesterday... Not only have we been on the air here for how many years, PK? Are we in our 19th yet? Yeah. We're in our 19th year? Yeah. 18 and a half, roughly. Uh, But we're getting big internationally because everybody's global these days with podcasts and the World Wide Web. Yuck. You're only permitted to say two words right now as part of this tease. Pick the right two words. Australia, Mongolia. That's all I'm telling you, people. But when we come back, we explain Australia, Mongolia, and DJ and PK. You want to know, you know you do. Stay with us.